Today's scripture reading is going to come from 1 Corinthians, verses 11 through 13. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. God expects us to change. Did you know that? It's part of his design. We're all born as babies, but we don't stay that way. Physically, mentally, emotionally, we're meant to grow. When you've got a newborn, you go to all of those well-child visits to make sure that they're gaining in length and weight like they should. When they're moving from childhood into adolescence, there's certain benchmarks that you look for them to make to know that your kid is healthy. If they're not growing, something's wrong. We get that. That's why to say that someone is acting childish is typically taken as an insult. It's fine for a child to act childish. It's normal. It could even be good. Let kids be kids. But that's not okay for an adult. If you've got somebody you work with that just acts like the world revolves around him, he's just really being a big baby. That's frustrating. If there's a lady in your neighborhood that seems like she just peaked in high school and she's still always stirring up drama, we usually don't mean that as a compliment. And if we recognize that as generally being true, then appreciate that that should be even more true for us as Christians. Because if we've been convicted of the reality that there is a God, that He created us and has a design for us, if we've been convicted that the way a lot of us live life is not according to that design, that we think and act, we use our bodies and have our relationships in ways different, than what God intended for us. If we've been convicted of the fact that God sent His Son, Jesus, who lived life exactly like God intended, and then gave that life as a sacrifice for the wrong things we've done before rising from the dead on Sunday, then we should expect that if all of that is something that we believe is true, it's going to mean that we need to change. And not just to change, we're going to need to grow. Because all of that, all of this about living our lives together as Christians, it's leading somewhere. What Jesus has done, what his apostles were inspired to teach us about life and relationship, there's a purpose to all of it. And that purpose is that God is preparing us for eternity. That fruit that His Holy Spirit is producing in us. Every time we study His Word so that it dwells richly in us, every time we sing His praises together, every time we pray in the Spirit, every time we pour ourselves out to serve someone else in Jesus' name, every time we share the good news about Jesus, even though the response isn't certain, even though we might get insulted or persecuted for it, all the ways that when we do those things, we grow in love. We experience joy. We feel peace that passes understanding. 
All the ways that these efforts produce in us more patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. All of that. Paul says here, it's kind of like glimpsing in a mirror, dimly. We're starting to get a preview, a partial look at what life will be like when we live with God forever. Now, when Paul was inspired to write that, the Corinthians he originally wrote it to were missing it. Because God's Holy Spirit was absolutely working in amazing ways. There were folks standing up speaking languages they never studied, interpreting languages they never studied, miraculously healing people who were sick. Yet even with all of this evidence of the Spirit working, here was a group of followers of Jesus that kept arguing with each other. They kept wanting to be the center of attention, competing with each other, always wanting the spotlight. Even though the Spirit so clearly was trying to work through them, they weren't growing up. They were still acting childish. So Paul was trying here to refocus them on what mattered, on faith, on hope, and especially on love. The greatest of these is love. Because in a word, that is God's nature. The nature in whose image and likeness we were created. God is love. So our lives here, our lives together are meant to help all of us be more like Him. It's meant to help us change from how we were to change from how everyone else is to be more like God who is love. And when that is our aim, we recognize that that means we've got to be constantly growing until our lives end or until Jesus comes again, at which point we then will know fully. At which point those glimpses that we had become the only perfect reality as we're with God forever. But until then, Christ gives us gifts to help us along the way of becoming the mature people he wants us to be. In another of Paul's letters, Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 11, he was inspired to write this. And Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, The evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness, in deceitful schemes. The church exists to produce mature men. Did you know that? In a world where masculinity is being distorted, into something where if you like watching football and cutting your hair short, just go ahead and call yourself a man. You can identify that way. In a world where masculinity is under attack, where all of it is just written off as being toxic, 
that it's something that oppresses and uses and abuses. The idea that Christ has given us the church to produce spiritually mature men is more important for us, it's more important for the world now than ever. And I'm not just talking about the politically driven culture wars that we often find ourselves in. This isn't just a sermon about what pronouns you prefer to use. The reason that Christ gave the apostles and the prophets, whose inspired writings still bless us every time we open up the scriptures, The reason that he gave us evangelists like me, shepherds and teachers like we have here, is to help us all to grow up to be mature, to help our brothers be mature men. It's important that we hear that. Because being a leader in the church is not so that they do stuff for the rest of us. It's not so that there's somebody designated to handle all your complaints whenever there's something that's not the way you like it. The reason Christ gave the church is to equip us to work, to build, and to grow. To grow in our personal loyalty to King Jesus. To grow in our knowledge of who he is, but then critically to have that loyalty, to have that knowledge grow us in terms of our character. What motivates us? What we say, what we do, what we think that we might be more like him. Because that is the standard. The measure of success here is not racking up the best attendance record or the biggest contribution or having the most years out of everybody of going to church. The measure of success is not liking how things are, having them always be exactly the way you want them to be. The measure of success for the church is to be more like Jesus. At least it should be. I'm just going to be honest with you, that's not always the case. Sometimes we allow, sometimes we as leaders even reward behavior that isn't Christ-like. We fall into traps of just trying to keep everybody happy. Let's just keep everybody happy. Oh, some people are saying, so we just need to take care of this. Or oh, some people don't like this, so we need to do this. And we just run around trying not to ruffle feathers. We don't want anyone to get mad and stop coming. But when that's our attitude, when that's the approach that we take to life together as the church, it fails to recognize that anytime one of us is demanding our way, Anytime one of us is making threats to try to force, well, if that doesn't change, I just don't think I'll be able to get my offering anymore. Well, if that doesn't change, I'm just not going to come anymore. No matter how long someone saying that has been in the church, they're being a baby. That is acting immature. Because that's not Jesus. That's not how Jesus operated. Because Jesus is the standard. Look at him. 
Look at what his priorities were. Look at how he started and ended and spent every one of his days. Look at how he treated people. That's what we're meant to be. That's what it looks like for us to fully live in God's image. Like we were meant for from the beginning before our own sin messed it all up. That's why real men act like Jesus. Growing into mature manhood. It means growing to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And when that's what we're aiming for, that means we are men who seek to work with God. It means we are men that are not afraid to commit and to honor those commitments. It means we're men that everything we do, we take those actions for the express purpose of bringing glory to God, especially when that means we have to do some things that are a little bit dangerous. We have to take some necessary risks. If we are going to be men that grow up to be like Jesus, then that means we are men who listen to the people around us. It means we're men who feel, especially for those that are hurting. It means that we are men that focus everyone on God. Remind us why we're here, what really matters. It means we are men that God works through to change things for the better. When we have conviction, when we do hard things, when we set an example that's worth following, every day of the week, self-sacrificially loving our wives, leading our children to Jesus, not schlepping it off on somebody else, working for Jesus in whatever we do 24-7. That's what it means to be a real man. And that's our goal. To produce real men. That's our goal together as a church. That should be our goal as families in the church. We want to raise men who seek being who God created them to be. Being like Jesus. We want to raise women that help them to achieve that by working together. The goal is not just getting them to church. The goal is not just getting them through school. The goal is not just getting them out of the house. All of that may be a part of it. But the ultimate goal for all of us is to raise up men who think, speak, and act like Jesus the Christ. As Paul continues in Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. You don't need me to tell you this. You see it yourselves. But our world is so terribly confused right now. People are so deceived. There are folks 
everywhere that are searching for meaning. They don't know who they are. They're longing for love and they're looking everywhere to try to find all of that except the one place where they can get it. And that's God. They need real men. They need the church to empower and encourage our men and to raise our boys to be like Jesus. To be like Him in how we serve in the community. To be like Him in how we mentor those around us in the workplace. The world needs us to be speaking the truth in love. Because that's what growing up into Christ allows. Because let me tell you the truth. Men and women are different. There are things about how we were created that aren't interchangeable. Gender isn't a fluid social concept. Men and women alike are fearfully and wonderfully made. But speaking the truth in love, people who think otherwise aren't my enemies. They're hurting. They feel out of place. They're insecure. They don't know who they are. They're grasping for anything that can help them make sense of their conflicting feelings. You know what they need? It's not a law to be passed. It's Jesus. They need Jesus. They need someone that will show them who he is. They need someone that will show them how submitting to him, even though that will mean sacrifice, even though that will mean not acting on some impulses that we might struggle with. They need someone that will show them how working with him, even when the things he asks of us are hard, is the key, is what actually allows us to experience life the way God intended to be, who God truly created us to be. Let me tell you what else is true. The way a lot of men act is toxic, including sometimes in the church. But when that happens, they're not being men. The problem isn't masculinity, not according to God's standard, because the people that do that, they're really just boys who are able to shave. Because they act demanding, they're self-centered, they view other people as objects, they treat relationship as conquests, they rely on force to get what they want. But speaking the truth in love, they're deceived. And it's all they know. Our airwaves are full of that messaging. Every TV show they watch, every movie they go see, every song that they listen to, it tells them that that's the way to be a man. So they need someone to show them another way. 
Someone that will hold them accountable. Someone that will call them out. But somebody who truly believes that there is a better, more real way to be a man and to be brave enough to share it with them. And that's where all of you come in. Because what we're doing today, what we've done these past few weeks is about equipping you for that work. The work of changing the world. Because I want to be clear about that. The purpose of this sermon series is not just so that we could say we took a stand. So that you could claim, oh yeah, I go to a church that talks about the issues. Our call to action this morning is not so fire up your Facebooks and share a meme making fun of Bruce Jenner. Because that will make everything better. For this and any topic. It's about helping you fully know Christ in all His grace and truth. And then go out and live it every day. Model it everywhere you go. Instill it in your family. Know that there are forces out there that want to deceive your children and grandchildren. And it is your job as the adult to protect them. From those deceitful schemes. The purpose of all of this is to help us raise sons and grandsons. That their goal is to try to be like Jesus. It's to look out for the younger brothers in church. And to mentor them into practical ways to grow into that. The goal is to have all of us be teaching our daughters and granddaughters. That a man that's following Jesus is the top priority. That they should be looking for. Not looks, not income, not career prospects, but somebody that really and truly loves the Lord. Our job is to mentor our younger sisters to seek a guy like that, to support the men that they have, to grow into that as God intended. The goal of what we've been talking about is so that we all see the people around us. The young man at church that we can purposely involve in something we were going to go do anyway. The person that you worked with or lived near or shot from that needs to know God has a design, a purpose for their lives. And recognize that as we all do that, we won't all have the same opportunities. And that's completely okay. I'm not going to ever reach anybody in a deer stand. I'm not going to be sharing God's design in a fishing boat. But I don't have to. Firing a gun is not what makes me a man. God is. But if you like that, if that's how God's made you able to exercise the dominion that He's given you over His creation, and you can use that to include somebody who is interested in it, If you can make sure before you go out hunting or before you get out in that fishing boat, you're praying with whoever's taking you. You're talking about God while you're doing it. You're praising Him for whatever good or bad happens afterwards. Then the body's going to be working like it should. And if you get out there and do that, and I get out there and invite somebody that shares my interest to go lift weights or go for a run or go play a game or go watch a movie, If the body works together with every joint that Christ has put here, the body will grow as it builds itself up in love. And that's the goal. 
That's our job. It's done one person at a time. It's how Christianity grows. But I know some of us will think, some of us will wonder, but the world's so bad. How does that do anything about the politicians? The entertainment industry? What does that do about the transgender athletes? The public school curriculum? Pray about it. Are you really concerned about it? Really serious about it? Pray and fast over it. Find other Christians that share your concern, that share your passion, and ask the God of heaven, who is the one and only person that can affect the cosmic powers of darkness that's driving all of that darkness and foolishness, and get to work doing something about it, because that will change something a lot quicker than anything any of us tweet. But make sure as you do that, you keep busy building up real men in your circle of influence. Encourage and challenge. Teach and train. Because that will do more to change things than anything. When we are living every day as a parade of captives, prisoners of war of King Jesus, then we spread that life-giving aroma of his victory everywhere we go. But we need to appreciate that for some, that will always stink like death. There may come a day where we can't stream on Facebook anymore because they don't let us. There may come a day where we're not allowed to have a Facebook page, where we're not allowed to have a church website, where we're not allowed to have a church building. And that's okay. We don't need any of that if we're following Jesus. Use it while we got it to spread the aroma. And if that door closes, look for the next one and keep following Jesus. Because if the world is still here, then that means there is someone out there that is still willing to repent and follow Jesus with us. And more than anything else, our job is to find that one. To find that person that God has brought us near. To help them find who he is and the life that they've always been meant to live. Our world is a mess right now. But we, right here, can do something about it. It's exactly what God created us for, to bring His image and likeness into the world. It's why Jesus made us a part of His body when we repented and put Christ on in baptism, receiving the forgiveness of our sins and the gift of His Holy Spirit. Now, it's time for all of us to man up and get to work. Would you pray with me? Holy Father, we are so thankful that you love us, that even though we have gotten so off track from the purpose for which you created us, 
that you continue to call to us, that you continue to seek us, that you've given your Son to cover the ways we've fallen short, that you've given your Spirit to help us live the life that we're meant for, that you allow us to experience the life that you always wanted for us. Father, help us as a church work together with you and with each other to produce mature men. Men whose top priority, whose most important goal is to think and speak and act like your son. Help us to be men that protect and encourage our sisters, who cherish them, who give them opportunity, who work with them with joy, that we together as a family can be a body that shows the goodness of your son to everyone around us. When some people see it and think it stinks, help us, Father, to stand strong. Help us, Father, not to give in, but to be courageous and to trust the goodness of your way even when our world denies and rejects it. Father, help us to find those who can tell that this world is not the way it should be. Those that are open to hearing the good news of your son, those whose lives can change in the best possible way. Lead us to them. Lead us to them this week as we go out from this assembly today. Help us to be ready to seek them so that together we might give you the glory that all praise and honor can be lifted up to King Jesus, that we might rejoice at seeing many be saved. And Father, if there's any today that have assembled with us that haven't been captured by your son, if it's today that they need to make him their Lord and Savior, today that they need to die to themselves and join him in that burial of baptism so that they can start living a new life for him, help them, Father, to address that right now. And just help us all, Father, to stay in step and to lead and to follow and to just be who you want us to be. We thank you, Father, so much for who you are and how you love us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.